something in the middle of God's story. Now, I want to read to you a brief summary of God's bigger story. So for a moment this morning, before we get into the outline, you can just kind of put that down or continue to use it to fan yourself. But I'm going to read this story to you and just concentrate on the words of this story and the bigger story that God is accomplishing. God's word, the Bible, holds within it the story, the true story of the one true God and his unconditional love for us. In the beginning, there was only God, but God longed for companionship, being relational in nature. So he created the earth and everything that is in it for us, for man. Now, seeing that it was not good for man to be alone, God created woman from man, and he saw that this was good. This is very good. But even in this tranquil paradise, sin was at work. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them with free will, the ability to make choices. And with that free will, they made the wrong choice and ended up separated from God. Devastated, God set a plan into motion to reconnect with his creation. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to live a sinless life. It was Jesus' choice to give up his life through death on a cross and rise from the grave three days later that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And as Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken, he bridged the gap that had separated us from God. And today, Jesus calls out to every one of us. He calls out to all of us. And he asks only that we recognize the sacrifice that he has made, that we turn from our mistakes, that we honor him as Savior and the leader of our lives to enjoy friendship with God once again to be reconnected to God. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he says those same words to us today. He invites us into the story that God the Father is writing. He invites us to be able to see things from his perspective and recognize that we are a critical part of his bigger story. Let's pray as we begin today. God, we love you, and we thank you for including us in this story that you're writing. I must confess this morning, God, I'm an imperfect vessel. And so, Lord, I'm humbled by the fact that you chose to use me to bring your word today. I thank you, God, that you have allowed me or you have chosen me to, to make you famous, even with all of my flaws. And so, Father, teach us today what it is that we need to hear. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak the words to each of us that we desperately need. We love you. Amen. So you see, the focus of God's bigger story is to rescue and redeem anyone who's willing to turn to him for leadership and love, which includes all of us in this room and the people that we interact with and live our lives with every day. We have the opportunity to be a part of God's bigger story. But how? You might wonder, how can I possibly be a part of God's bigger story? Well, that's what we're going to look at today from the book of Romans, chapters 9 through 11. What does it mean to live the bigger story? So go ahead and grab your outlines, and I'm going to give you the first set of blanks to fill in here is that living the bigger story means I live my life to to be a blessing. I live my life to be a blessing. And we've already mentioned in this series that the book of Romans is written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was a missionary in the early church, and he wrote many of the books in the New Testament. And he truly lived his life to be a blessing. And he recognized that both Jews and Gentiles, both of these groups of people, had the opportunity to live their lives to be a blessing as well to be a part of God's bigger story. He knew that because of Christ's sacrifice, the invitation was now extended to both the Jews, those that actually had lineage in the nation of Israel, but then also to the Gentiles, those that just came to faith in Christ and were included in God's family because of that faith. 
So it's important to keep in mind that when Paul wrote this book, he wrote it to the church in Rome, a church that was primarily made up of Gentiles, those that had come to faith in Christ. But then it also had a sizable minority of Jewish believers as well. So a lot of the times when you see the things that are written in the book of Romans, recognize that it's being written to both of those, group, those groups of people. Um, a large part of Paul's purpose in writing this book was to help both of these people groups see their part in the redemptive story of Christ. So let's take a look at what Paul says in Romans 9, 4 to 5, and then also in verse 8. Romans 9, 4 to 5 says, They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's special children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave his law to them. They have the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Their ancestors were great people of God, and Christ himself was a Jew as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Okay, so these verses remind us that in the Old Testament, God's chosen people were the people of Israel, his special children, and that even Jesus himself was a Jew. But just a few verses later, we read that since Christ died for all, there's been a change. And so now in verse 8, it says, This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. It is the children of the promise who are considered to be Abraham's children. So Paul's message here is not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He extends his promise not only to the people of Israel, but he extends it to the Gentiles as well. And it's important, too, to note that Paul here in this passage, the way that we translate it today, is we throw that word necessarily in there. Because I think we want to be clear here that, that once Christ came, that did not exclude the Jewish people from being able to respond to Christ. It just meant that no longer is it based on your lineage and your line in, in the nation of Israel, but now it's based on whether you've made a decision to accept uh, Christ's sacrifice for yourself. So truly, no matter what our background, our nationality, or our social class, we can all be God's chosen people. And I think that's a pretty incredible thing, isn't it? That the God of the universe now has said, you are all welcome to be my chosen people. You just have to accept the the sacrifice that my son made. So the big question is, if we are chosen, what are we chosen for? You know, we're chosen for what? Why did God single out the nation of Israel in the Old Testament? Why did he choose them? Why does he choose us today? Well, first, I think it's because he created us and he loves us and he wants to have relationship with us. But secondly, and probably equally as important, is it so that he can be known to the world around us. Look at what uh, God's original promise to Abraham was in Genesis 12, 2 to 3. He says, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So God used Abraham as a means of blessing to the rest of the world. He was a conduit of God's blessing. And as children of the promise, our purpose is the same, that we live our lives in a way that blesses those around us, that we allow God to be made known to the world through us. See, God's love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his generosity, his patience, all of these things flow through us and flow to other people. It was never intended to flow to us and stop there. Those characteristics of God, those abilities to be a blessing to somebody else. God does not intend for us to just be blessed by that and bottle it all up. He intends for that blessing to travel through us and go to other people. This process of allowing God's blessing to flow through us, not just to us, is really what keeps us energized and excited in our relationship with Christ. Sometimes we get in that place where we're kind of in a funk and we don't feel excited or energized about our relationship with Christ is because we've stopped allowing that to flow through us and we've just kind of huddled into our corner and accepted the blessing for ourselves. 
A good illustration of this is we have a couple of mission trips that the student ministries are taking this summer. A few, uh, just about a month ago now, we, our middle school ministry went to Pittsburgh for uh, a mission trip in, in Pittsburgh. And so Kristen Thomas and the middle school ministry, they went and did a great job there and served well. And we just really appreciate all of the work that you guys did to support us in that by buying giant gift cards and also by supporting us by showing up at our car washes and just praying for us and being available to us. And we now have another trip that's lined up. We're going to leave next Saturday, and this is for the high school students, to go down to Wilmington, North Carolina, and serve down there as well. So we'll be there. We'll be serving people, low-income families that need work done around their house. We'll be there working all week to help them. So we really appreciate the investment that you've made in our students by helping us get there. But my question is, why did you support us? It's probably because you believe in what we're doing, right? You know that by choosing to bless us this way, we are now going to take that blessing and bless someone else with it. We're going to go to Wilmington. We're going to be a blessing by serving well. And that is what we're going to do. But just for a second, what if we did something completely different than that? What if we raised a lot of money and we asked for your prayer support and asked you to encourage our students and asked for your emotional support? What if we asked for all of that and received all of that blessing that you were giving to us? And then we got down to Wilmington and we were like, all right, sweet, let's spend the week on the beach, right? I mean, we would, be, we would be messing the whole process up because now that blessing that you had given to us with the intention of that blessing being given to someone else, it's now stopped with us. And we would have thwarted God's plan to be a blessing. You see, a blessing that was intended to continue blessing others would stop with us. We'd squander that blessing that we received from you. And the people that are in need in the city of Wilmington would miss out on being blessed because of it. So when we are blessed, it's with the intention that we bless someone else. Because becoming a Christ follower isn't just about what's in it for me. It's about selling out my life for God's greater story. You know, there's huge personal benefits to following Jesus. But if that's the reason that we follow him, if that's the reason that we're following him, then we're missing the bigger picture. We're missing the bigger picture. We need to ask God this question. God, how do I become a blessing? How do I become a blessing with my time, my money, my possessions? my body, my brain, my words, my daily routine. God, how does this work for me, this idea of being a blessing? How does it work at home? How does it work when I go to work or in my neighborhood, in my community? Uh, I saw the story recently, actually saw the YouTube clip of a guy named Nick Walenda. Have any of you guys heard of Nick Walenda? Okay, so just a a little over a month ago now, he actually walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. You can see the image up there on the screens. And so that's the falls coming down, and there's tiny Nick Walenda. He's actually a normal-sized person. I know you can't tell from the picture. (laughs) But he's crossing the tightrope on the falls, and it's just this incredible thing. It's on June 15th, and he did something that had never been done before. This had never been done, where somebody crossed on a tightrope from one side of Niagara Falls to the other. It took him about 26 minutes to get from one side to the other. And one of the really neat things about it is that he was wired the whole way for sound so that you could hear what he was saying. And his he was wired to his dad. So his dad could offer encouragement to him and give him advice on what was happening. And they're this family of daredevils. So they're all into this, you know? And so he's talking to his dad the whole way. And one of the things that was really neat is you could hear his dad encouraging him. And there were several times that Nick allowed reporters to ask him questions over the headset while he was walking. So he's trying to go across Niagara Falls and the reporters are like, what are you feeling right now? But he was like very gracious and responded very well to him. But the thing that was really, really neat about it was that every time they interrupted to ask him a question, you could hear him just praying and talking to God as he was going. 
He was saying, God, I just thank you for this opportunity today. This is just amazing. Thank you for this beautiful thing that I get to see. What an incredible opportunity that you've given me as I walk across the falls. And so every time that he talked to his dad or he talked to one of these reporters, it interrupted this, really this honest communication that he was having with God as he crossed the falls. It was amazing. I mean, wind was blowing by at 25 to 30 30 miles per hour. The water from the falls had him soaked from head to toe. He's carrying a 40-pound bar to help him balance as he's, as he's walking across the rope. The, the rope itself had become slick. It was completely covered in, in all of the water. And it was swaying with the wind as he walked. And yet, as he's doing that, and he's concentrating to keep himself on the rope, he's just talking to God the whole time. God, I love you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to be a, a representative of you today. And he remained in this constant state of delighted communication with God. And I was just so impressed with his continual and his sincere communication that he shared with God. Now, Nick is from a daredevil family, so he could easily use what he does for his own glory. He could puff out his chest and say, hey, you guys see me up here on the tightrope? But no, instead, he gives all of the glory to God. And so I was challenged and encouraged by his life. I was encouraged by his prayer relationship with God, that he had this obvious close relationship with God. And so I feel like Nick Willenda blessed me that night. He helped me feel like I wanted to be closer to God myself. And I'm sure that many others that were watching that had the same reaction. And it wasn't because of what he was doing. It was because of who he is and how obvious it was that he had this tight relationship with God. And it made me think, I want to live my life like that. I want to have a life that has purpose, a life that that makes a difference in the world around me, a life that's a blessing, not just because of what I do, but because of who I am and who my God is and how he lives through me. You know, you and I may never walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. I definitely won't. I have enough trouble just standing on my feet as it is. So we may never do that for God, but God wants to use you and your special talents and your abilities to live life in a way that is going to be be a blessing to others. God has gifted me uniquely. He's gifted you uniquely as well to be a blessing to someone else. So Let's live our lives to be a blessing. Let's make that our prayer. So let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? If that's true of you this morning, if that's how you want to live, then let's tell that to God. Let's give him permission to live through us today. God, I want to live like that. I want to live like that. I thank you, Lord, that you rescued me by sending your son to die on the cross for me, that I now have accepted his forgiveness, that I can have relationship with you. I thank you, God, that you've done that for me. I thank you that you've done that for every person in this room. And because I'm so appreciative of that, I'm appreciative of the blessing that you've bestowed upon me, I want to be a blessing to other people as well. So God, help me, help every person in this room to figure out what it means for them to be a blessing in the way they live their lives. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes I think, what will people say of me when I'm only just a memory? When I'm home where my soul belongs? Was I love when no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song? I want to live.
things that are said in that song. I want to live like that and give it all I have so that everything I say and do points to you. So that everything I say and do points to you. So how can Jesus be made known through me? Let's look at the second part of this challenge from the book of Romans this morning. Living a bigger story means my life is an introduction to God's greater story. Just like those pictures that we looked at earlier were one small piece of a bigger story or of a bigger picture, my life story and your life story is a small piece of God's greater story. You have a story to share, and it's important, and it's an important short story to share because it's part of God's story. Now, most of us think, oh, well, my story is kind of boring. My story isn't very exciting. You know, I was never in prison. I was never on the streets. You know, I never did any of those things that people really go, wow, that's an amazing life change that happened. You know, this evil to good metamorphosis that happens. A lot of us don't have that story. You know, some of us do, and that's awesome, but we don't all have that story. And so you're sitting here thinking, okay, those things never applied to me, so nobody really wants to hear my story. I just kind of grew up in church, and that was my thing, and that's really the extent of it. But I want you to know that your story is unique, and your story is something that is going to make a difference in the life of someone else. And the reason that I can say that with confidence is I know that my own story isn't that exciting. I mean, I would love to be able to say, like, 
I, I, sometimes I say that my testimony is actually this when I want to lie to somebody. I don't do this too often, but I would say something like, you know, I, I lived a life of sex and drugs and rock and roll. Then at the age of three, I gave my life to Christ and I haven't been the same since. Because that's when I came to Christ. You know, I don't have that part to my story. I grew up in the church, and so maybe there's not that excitement factor for me. But I can tell you that there has been many, many times when I've sat down and had conversations with students that were struggling through their place in life and the way God has designed him and the story that's being told through them that I was able to relate exactly to what they were going through. And because God guided, through my, guided me through my story in the way that he did, I'm able to share in that moment with that student or with that other person that, hey, I've been exactly where you are and God can guide me through and he can guide you through as well. So even if you don't think your story is that exciting, I can guarantee you that it is very, very important that you are ready to share it with somebody else because God is going to put people in your path that need to hear your story. I want you to know your story is so unique that if you don't share it, no one else will. No one else will tell that story. That story will never be told. And your story is God's story told through your life. Now, here's the beautiful part of telling your story is that it's a story that other people will have a similar story that they connect with. They'll relate to it. They'll get it. And through it, you'll introduce them to God's greater story for their lives. I love it when my, my wife, Laurie, gets the chance to tell her story because our personalities are very different. If you know my wife at all, uh, she's much more quiet. Here's some of the, things, some of the words that describe her. Quiet polite, attentive, aware of the needs of the people around her. I am none of those things. And that's what's really cool about our relationship is that in many ways, personality-wise, we are very different. And so she probably doesn't share her story nearly as often as I get the opportunity to because I kind of take the opportunity whether people want to hear it or not. You know, I'm just always talking, I'm always in front of an audience, and I'm always finding ways to tell my stories. But when my wife shares her story, it's always at a moment when somebody desperately needs to hear it. And if you would talk to Laurie, she wouldn't say that she has this incredible, fantastic, amazing story. She just has a story of how God's been with her through the tough times in her life. And she had some rough years through high school. And even in the years after she graduated high school, she had a tough time. But God led her through that. And when she has the opportunity to share her story with somebody about how God carried her through some of those rough years of her life, she's an encouragement to so many. She shares her story, and it's not because it's flashy or it's earth-shattering or it's made for TV. It's simply because it's her story of how God is at work in her life. And God provides her the right opportunity to share it with the right person at exactly the time that they need to hear it. So don't get hung up on trying to make your story something that it's not. Adding elements to it to make it feel exciting. Don't feel the pressure to add anything to it. Just tell your story with honesty, sincerity. Pray for God to provide you with opportunities to share your story with somebody else, with somebody that needs to hear it the most. Uh, Go ahead and take a look in your outlines. There's a list of possible testimony themes. And in that list of possible testimony themes, it shows some things that you might be learning or something you might be struggling with on the left-hand side. And then on the right-hand side, it says, all right, this might be something that you're learning through that experience. For example, for me, I would say that one of the things that I've struggled with really my whole life is having just a low self-esteem, a low self-image. And the way that my life is changing through that is that I find my confidence in Christ instead of my confidence in myself. I find my confidence in who I am in Christ and who he's created me to be. So that's not a flashy story. That's not something exciting or grand, but that's the way that God's working in my life. 
He's taking somebody that struggles with their self-image and he's slowly making them more confident in their relationship with him. Confident in who I am in my relationship with Christ. And so that might be for you today. You might go down that list and check off a few of those things that you're struggling with. You might check all of those things off at some point in your life. But the important thing is to look at that area of struggle and say, God, how are you going to help me work through this? How are the ways that you are leading me through this right now? What is the story that you're telling in this area of weakness in my life? How are you making yourself known through that struggle? So I I just want to remind you too that when it comes to your life with Jesus, it is a journey, okay? So nobody's saying that on this list you should look at it and be like, okay, that's who I used to be and now I'm perfected, I'm better, I'm on the right side of the page now. It's not something where you're just going to all of a sudden wake up and, oh, I'm better. But it's a journey for each one of us. We're learning every day. We're growing and we're allowing Christ to change us from the inside out. There are stories to tell and they should be fresh all the time. We should always be able to tell people of the night and day difference that God is making in some area of your life. That's a quote from 1 Peter 2.9. Tell the people of the night and day difference. I'm sure most of you have heard this phrase, to share your faith. It's something that we say when we mean, oh, we're going to share, share with somebody else about the relationship that we have with Christ. That's what we talk about when we say share your faith. The interesting thing is that the, the phrase share your faith isn't found in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Uh, that's not to say it's a bad thing to share your faith with somebody, but I don't think that that was the primary strategy that Jesus wanted us to use in reaching other people. What it does say a lot in the Bible is that we're called to be witnesses. We're told to share the story of what God is doing in our lives. And I think that is by design because God knew that if we just tried to convince people of faith and convince them that they have to believe, that people would just argue back with us. But when we share our story, when we are a witness, when we tell the story of what God is doing in our lives as a part of his grand story, then I think people are able to listen and they can't argue with your story, with what, with what you've experienced. Now, for some of you, this exercise of looking at this paper, trying to check off the places that you're struggling and where God's working and how he's helping you, this might have been a struggle for you. Like you might look at that paper and say, I, I don't really have anything that I can check off. And I just, I just want to throw this out there to you that if you can't think of any way that God is at work in your life, if you can't see God working with you in those areas of struggle, then I would have to ask you the question, are you really following Christ at all right now? I don't mean that to condemn you. I just want you to really think that out. If you can't check off any way that God is working in you right now, are you following Christ? I mean, this kind of points back to the series we did a little while ago where we talked about the difference between being a follower and a fan. You know, we can fall into that place of just being a fan of Jesus. Not necessarily worrying about how he's working in our lives, but just being a fan of him. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is great. Is he changing my life? No, but he's really awesome. I really like Jesus. I'm a fan. When in reality, Christ is saying, follow me and allow me to take those areas that you struggle with and allow me to work on those areas with you. Because as we allow him to work on those areas with us, we see the progress in our relationship with Christ. And I want to encourage you too that um, the vast majority of, of you in this room, I'm sure you just have a great story to tell. Because we hear them every week. You know, we do these video testimonies a lot, and we hear the stories of how God is working in Daybreakers. So I don't want you guys to feel like, oh man, the whole room is bummed now because of what Matt just brought down. But I want to encourage you to tell your stories. Tell your stories. And it may not happen in the context of a video on a Sunday morning. It might happen in the context of a personal relationship with somebody else, a friendship with somebody that you just share with them 
what God is doing in your life. Be authentic. Allow God to do the work. Let people know you're not perfect. You are still on the journey, but that God is at work in you and that God will make a difference in your life. Because God's story told through your life and mine will make an eternal difference in the lives of others, but it won't if we don't tell them. See, after Paul reminds the Romans in chapter 9 that they are chosen people, that they're now saved by grace through faith in Christ, uh, that they're saved by faith in Jesus, not through rules and being good, he challenges them to tell God's story so that others can know him too. Remember, your life change isn't just about you. It's so that your story can point others to Jesus. Let's look at this final passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 10 this morning. It says, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You are sent to tell the good news. What God has done is good news. It's the most powerful demonstration of love that there's ever been. It's a demonstration of the strength, the power, the grace, the mercy of God. And through the cross, God has repaired what had been broken in us. It fills the biggest hole in our lives. It meets our greatest need. So the story of the cross, when you truly embrace it, it will bring you to your knees. It literally will change you for eternity. It's letting people know through your life that they can be loved with a perfect love and they can be led by a perfect leader. It's a story that many have been longing for their whole lives, even though they didn't know what they were longing for. It's the greatest story of all time. So let your life story be a part of that epic story. Not despite your mistakes and your pain, but because of your mistakes and your pain. God's story can shine through you. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're just so thankful for your redemptive plan. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room this morning that wants to take this step for the first time of allowing their story to be a part of your story, recognizing the sacrifice that you've made, asking you to forgive them and make them a new person, pray God that in this moment they would do that. That they would make a choice today to say, I want to live my life to be a blessing to other people and I want to allow God's story to be told through me. Thank you, Lord the work that you're doing in each of us in this moment. Allow your Holy Spirit to continue to to speak and to guide and to walk home with the, the message that we need to hear from you. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.